With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Eclipse Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. I'm joined by Blake Harris, and we are here to talk the 2021 Los Angeles Clippers. That is going to take me a while to get used to saying those words put together, but uh, Blake, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. We are now officially about a day and a few hours from uh, tip-off, so it's going to be nice having Clippers basketball back on the TV and just, you know, get the NBA season rolling. We talked about this in our last show where it doesn't feel like they should be playing now. But, uh, you know, because we just saw them a few months ago. But I'm looking forward to having NBA basketball back on my TV. Absolutely. Um, so let's just recap quickly how the Clippers got to this point. Uh, they obviously play the Lakers tomorrow night. Uh, or depending on when you're listening to this, they play the Lakers Tuesday night. Uh, is it 7 or 7.30? I feel like I should have looked that up before I got here, but my bad. Uh, it is the second <laughs> game on TNT. That's what you all need to know. <laughs> right. And uh, of course, the Clippers are playing the Lakers because the NBA will stop at no opportunity to get the Clippers to play the Lakers, despite how many times it seems to happen on big NBA moments. Thankfully, it will not be happening on Christmas. So that's that's a nice thing. But anyway, so the Clippers lost second round of playoffs. We don't need to rehash that. I, I do remember that we had this pre-write prepared for when doc would tie bill fitch for 10th on the all-time coaching wins list and we're just like oh this is like ready to go and just never ended up using it so i guess he'll get to do that with the philadelphia 76ers and no more no more pre-writes because you said get the pre-write ready and then they never played a regular season game again yep and then you said hey blake the clippers are up three to one why don't you get a pre-write ready of uh what it's what it means to you as a lifelong clippers fan of them advancing to the conference finals and then we know what happens so i've officially decided that no more (laughs) are we going to have any sort of pre-writes ready to go because uh we're over two so far Mm -hmm. so never again I will tell you, I had no pre-write ready for the Luke Kennard extension because I did not see uh, it coming. <laughs> and that so boy just pre- cashed I'm, in on $64 million. <laughs> I'm not going to pre-write, pre-write a Kawhi Leonard re-signs with the Clippers for five years. So I'm just, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. I will so tell you, actually, you, <laughs> uh, you know, my last stint at Clips Nation, I was the one who pre-wrote that the Lakers, I mean, sorry, the Clippers would sign Kawhi Leonard in the summer of 2019. So Okay, so you're going to pre-write I got the, one. Kawhi. I got one. <laughs> you're going to pre-write the Kawhi re-signs news. So perfect. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, last season's last season. Doc Rivers is out. Ty Lue is in with an almost entirely new set of assistant coaches. We've got Dan Craig from Miami, Kenny Atkinson from Brooklyn, Johnson Phillips from the broadcasters booth, um, Larry Drew from Cleveland. Uh, it's, it's a really nice group. You know, Dan Craig is just a defensive wizard. Those Miami teams always punched above their weight on that end of the floor. Kenny Atkinson is player development guru. The young guys are always hyping him up. So really nice staff that Ty Luz brought in. And then, of course, on the court, uh, Montrezl Harrell left. Landry Shamit was traded. 
that brought in Luke Kennard, the Luke Kennard who was just extended today for four years. So five years of Luke Kennard before even seeing him play one second on the court. Uh, the Clippers also said goodbye to Jermichael Green. Uh, funny enough, you know, both of their starting, I mean, their backup power forward centers went to Western Conference rivals, but they replaced him with the lovely Serge Ibaka, just a delight so far in his Clippers media availabilities. And they drafted Daniel Oturu and Jay Scrub, neither of whom I expect to see any meaningful time this season, but uh, they have been playing Terrence Mann and Fiondu Cabangeli quite a bit more. And that has been a lot of fun because Fee, I almost forgot, was on the Clippers last year. So it's been nice to see him back. He was uh, too busy yeah. uh, setting records in the G League. Yeah, <laughs> That's what he was doing good. all year. Uh, but yeah, so the Clippers, you know, slightly different around the edges, but the core guys are still there. You know, we still got Kawhi, PG, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. Marcus Morris came back on a deal very similar to Luke Kennard's. So Clippers are shelling out the big bucks. And I think this is the team that we're going to have, not just for this year, but for the foreseeable future. Uh, And that brings me to my first question for you, Blake. How do you think the Clippers will be better this year than last? Well, I think first and foremost, the most important thing is it looks like, well, I mean, of course, we talked about this on the last show where it's like, wow, it seems too good to be true that everyone's healthy. Like someone has to have something. And then literally I think like a day later, the Marcus Moore news, Marcus Moore's news came out about his like sore knee. Mm-hmm. I think just the, getting everyone healthy. I mean, Paul George talked about it. I think it was yesterday's or yesterday's press conferences about how him and Kawhi are both healthy for training camp healthy for the preseason, anything that's going to be a huge benefit moving forward. So I think just for the most part, having everyone good to go, Marcus Morris, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a serious injury. That's going to be, you know, keeping him out for a few weeks. They're kind of saying he's day-to-day questionable, kind of something like that, but having everyone healthy, I I think is going to be the, the biggest part. Obviously it's going to take, you know, some time getting used to everyone, three preseason games. That's not enough to get kind of everyone gelling all together. But again, I think the most important thing about this, this Clippers team is, Everyone's starting this season healthy. I think for the most part, maybe we're going to have to figure out, you know, with Zoo, Ibaka, Karnar, like who's going to be getting starters minutes, who's going to be, you know, that closing lineup. They'll figure that out. But I think for the most part, everyone kind of has their identity. There's, I hope, not as much drama in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think some of that drama has gone this offseason. So I think for the most part, less drama. Uh, Everyone's healthy. So I I think those are two huge benefits for uh, for the Clippers to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think continuity is a really good point. Um, and the fact that you brought up Marcus Morris actually reminds me that I didn't mention that the Clippers added Nick Batum this offseason, who apparently is going to be the team's starting forward, which is just a remarkable come up from, you know, being asked by the Charlotte Hornets to sit on the bench because they wanted to develop their young guys. And now he is right. starting at the four for a team that is contending for a championship. But yeah, I mean, even though Morris, obviously you don't want anybody to be hurt, but the fact that Kawhi and PG are able to practice and go through everything in training camp, I think is far more important than the other guys doing the same. So that's, that's a good sign for the Clippers that they have this measure of continuity. And I think just, you know, last year, this team was sort of anointed, right? Like they brought in Kawhi, they brought in PG, they filled out their bench like really well. I mean, obviously they ended up changing the team over the course of the season, you know, that Mohawk list edition turned into Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson came into play, but From the very beginning, it seemed like everyone was picking the Clippers to win. And no matter what sort of stumbles they had over the course of the regular season, it was always just, oh, well, Kawhi knows what he's doing. He's done this before, and he'll carry the rest of the group along with him. And obviously that didn't happen. But I like that the Clippers get to sort of occupy, and I wouldn't say an underdog role, because I think they're comfortably like in the top three of championship favorites this year. But by not being the 
de facto number one, I think it gives them a little bit of an edge. And I think that will be helpful for this particular group. Yeah, I mean, obviously the way that, you know, their season ended, it, it was painful, but it just kind of like it instilled in everyone's minds that the Clippers just like weren't that good of a team for whatever reason, where it's like this team, I, I think they legitimately would have contended with the Lakers. I think that series would have gone seven. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it's just a coin flip for who comes out on top. I think the Clippers, they would have beaten the Heat in six games. I, I think the Lakers series, that would have been the more difficult one. And then the mm-hmm. Heat, I think they, especially going from the Lakers to the Heat, I, I think that would have been great for the Clippers. This is a team that could have won, you know, easily last year. And now all of a sudden, I, I think you upgrade by getting Ibaka and you, you lose Harold. I think that's an upgrade. Uh, Luke Kennard, I think he's an upgrade over Shamit. Uh, I, I do hate losing Jermichael Green, but I think Nick Batum, we don't need Portland Nick Batum. We need just, uh, if he comes in, does his does his job, uh, is not the $30 million a year guy that Charlotte was expecting for him. He could be a good piece. And I do think that the expectations aren't as high on the Clippers this year because of just how the season ended last year. They're still, like you said, top three or four favorites in regards to winning a championship, but they're not like this. Like this is, this is the team we expect to win last year. The Clippers were the team that was expected to win this year. A few other teams have higher expectations, which I think actually is going to bode well for the Clippers where they're still going to have a lot of eyes on them. They're still going to have a lot of pressure, but it's not going to be as much. And I think by taking that, that, that amount of pressure off, I think that could, that could really benefit them. I think, especially for guys like PG Kawhi, you know, like everyone is expecting the best from them last year. Mm-hmm. They'll still be expecting it, but just not quite as much, not quite as much. Yeah. A couple other things that I think the Clippers have improved upon from last year. One of them, I think Lou is just a better coach than doc rivers. Obviously they yes. both have won one title in their NBA careers. They've also both lost in the finals. I think doc once and Ty a couple times. Um, but I mean, Ty was just so overmatched in those series. I don't think yeah. that was a, indictment of his coaching whatsoever i think you know those warrior teams were just yeah I don't th- historically you, great you know you could have put together an all-time coaching cast and i right. don't think they could have taken down those warriors teams agreed uh, i just think that ty Lu has proven to be more flexible over his coaching career and just more creative than doc rivers um and i feel very good about having him on the bench just in terms of his acumen and what he was able to do with those Cleveland teams under similarly high pressure situations. So I think that is an upgrade. And then I also think that we talked about how talented the Clippers were last year. And I do think that top to bottom, the 2019, 20 team was more talented than this one, but I thought the problem with the way the Clippers roster was constructed last year was that the talent was spread out too much. Like, yeah, maybe they had 14 players who were better than 14 players on this roster, but you can't play 14 guys on the court at the same time. And what I like about this year's squad better is that the talent is consolidated. So you have a top eight that makes more sense than what you had last year, where you weren't going to play 10 guys in the postseason. And it's like, well, sure. You know, Terrence Mann can come in for defensive reinforcements and Reggie Jackson's great as a shooter, but like, can we put those guys together into one person, you know, and I'm not sure that the Clippers did that on the backcourt, but they definitely did in the frontcourt where, you know, now you've got, a guy who can shoot like Patrick Patterson, but also defend like if he's a Zubac, right? That's what Serge Ibaka is. He's all of that in one piece. Right. Uh, and then similarly with Nick Batum, he's a wing guy who I don't believe the Clippers had a wing who they really trusted beyond Kawhi and PG last year. I mean, they were using a mere coffee for significant regular season minutes yeah. down the stretch before the hiatus. And, you know, bless Amir. It's really impressive that he came to that position, you know, starting the year on a two way, but he wasn't ready for that and he yeah. didn't play in the postseason. So, I just like that the Clippers have a playoff rotation that makes more sense. Um, 
And I think we'll see the benefit of that down the line. Yeah, I, you, you hit it perfectly where last year, I mean, that's the thing everyone was saying, the Clippers have like the deepest bench and that's great and all. I mean, you can have 20 guys just yeah. that, are, that are all fantastic, but it doesn't matter because you can only put five of them on the court at once. And it's a matter of how do they all, you know, mesh together. And as we saw in the playoffs, uh, there were times when, you know, Doc would throw Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell out there at the same time. And that was something that even children should not be watching on television <laughs> because that was so bad. And like you said, I mean... Oh, I, I mentioned this, you know, a few minutes ago, I thought overall they upgraded fairly well to everything. But like you said, you're taking like two guys that you can just mesh into one, like the Ibaka reference you did that, that was spot on, you know, Batum and another one. So I, overall, I think, yeah, like you said, they, they've added and they've constructed a more well-balanced, you know, eight, maybe nine uh, player rotation that especially come postseason time, it, it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot more, a lot more clutch. I guess than uh, than what they had back in the bubble, and like I said, it's it, it's weird to think about how again you, you think of just having a deep bench and how you just over, overall I think that that means so much. But like you said, when you put put certain players together, like again they could be they're like best at their each own position, but compared to what they do together, it, it could be really bad. Like we said, we saw it last year in the bubble where certain guys where they'd be great individually on the court at once, but when you add a few of them together, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Right. And I think, uh, you know, just having more two-way guys is helpful in the postseason. Yeah. And we saw that the Clippers, for all of their talents, didn't really have a ton of two-way guys. Um, and the ones that they did, for some reason, were just glued to the bench in favor of others, which I don't think Ty Lue is going to do. So. Uh, I would hope not. I <laughs> One can hope not. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But by the same token, you know, uh, if we're going to talk about how the Clippers could be better from last year, I also think it's worth addressing how they could potentially be worse, you know, in certain respects. Is there anything that sticks out to you that, you know, ways the Clippers might have regressed since last year? I, I, I don't think there's any ways, you know, that they've they've regressed at all. I just think the only way that they're going to be worse that I think is just if everything goes wrong in regards to health. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking it. I mean, they took a gamble today by signing Luke Kennard to a deal where if Luke Kennard's healthy, He's worth that money. The problem is, as we've seen, he he's a guy that's really injury prone. Uh, Nicholas Batum, I mean, I've said this, I think, in the last podcast about how he could be a, a clutch signing. But if he's anything like what he was last year in Charlotte, I feel like he's quickly going to find himself losing minutes as the weeks go on because he was just he was bad. I, I don't think he get any worse, but uh, he could get bad. And then, you know, Marcus Morris with this lingering issue going on. Uh, we'll have to see how that looks. And, you know, you got guys like Lou Will. Pat Beverly, I mean, Pat Bev has some injury injury history in the past. Lou Will, he is kind of getting up there in age. So I think for the most part, I, overall, I don't think they got worse talent-wise. My big concern is just things, you know, when even Kawhi, PG, they have kind of some injury history as well. So as long as everyone's able to stay healthy, I don't see there being any real problem. But there are some guys that, you know, they, they do have a past and that, that could be a little worrisome. But again, it's I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my my one worry in regards to the whole team. Yeah, I think your worry kind of, you know, dovetails really nicely with mine because uh, my 
only thing with the Clippers, the only way I think they might be a little bit worse than last year is just in terms of regular season record. And that's exactly because of what you said, because I don't think their depth is quite as good as it was last year. And again, you know, in the playoffs, I'm not sure that that's particularly important, but during the regular season, you got a guy like Montrezl Harrell, who just brings it every single night and is so, he's really just a pain in the ass for opposing second unit scope against because it comes hard every single possession. And I think, you know, that Lou Zubach pick and roll in the second unit, it's going to be great. I think that uh, Ibaka is going to have a nice chemistry, you know, with the starters in terms of space on the floor for Kawhi and PG to do their thing. But I just don't know that the Clippers have the same, uh, that same like dogs, I guess, who are just going to like be on every single night. And on the one hand, you know, I think it's important that they built their roster this way. Like it obviously makes more sense. Uh, It'll pay off down the line and they're taking the regular season more seriously than they did last year. You know, and part of that is just because they all came into training camp healthy, relatively speaking. So I do think that there's going to be like an urgency to treat these games as if they matter right away. And I'm not sure like the preseason was the best indicator of that because they were trying things out. Like I, I wouldn't say that the Clippers weren't playing hard in any of the situations, but they obviously like weren't running like the actions that we're going to see during yeah. the regular season, you know? Uh, so I, it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, an oxymoron here, but like, I think that the Clippers are going to take the regular season seriously. I just don't know that they have the bodies to give that full effort every single night. Um, yeah. You know, like a Montrezl Herald did, like even a Jermichael Green did, who was just remarkably consistent. So I think the regular season record might suffer a little bit. Uh, fortunately, I don't think that any Western conference team is close enough talent wise to really make that matter. And who knows what the playoffs are going to look like because um, whether home court is going to matter or not right. down the stretch. But that's the only thing where I think this team might take a slight setback is just standings wise. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, for the most part, uh, not that they, again, like they didn't care last year, but I don't think they were too concerned with making sure they finished with the best record, finished with the top seed. They just kind of want everyone to get healthy. And we kind of talked about that where it just seemed like there were a lot of games where they weren't playing at hundred percent. Now I'm sure this year, maybe they'll have a little more incentive to just again, to avoid any conflict in the potential postseason. But yeah, I, 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 I don't see for the most part, especially in the West, I, I, the Clippers, there's no way they finish like lower than fourth, I guess, even if they right. kind of just go half pace, they'll, they'll be just fine. Like you said, how, how much of an advantage is home court, really going to mean i'm sure it's going to be more impactful this year than it was at least in the bubble where i'm sure once we get to the postseason in may june my, my guess is there's going to be fans of some capacity in these arenas mm-hmm. but even then the clippers are a good enough team where f- for whatever reason they don't have home court advantage i don't think it's going to make a huge difference so i, I think they'll be in fu- they'll be fine in that aspect right and i think it, it'll just take some time you know to get yeah. used to Ty Lue's system as well like he's obviously trying to do different things than doc rivers did so that learning curve might just, I just don't be surprised if the Clippers get off to a slow start is all I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, don't be disappointed because I'm sure that better days are very soon ahead. <laughs> it's ironic. Cause every year I've, I've always been saying like, Oh, there's too many NBA preseason games. There's no need for this <laughs> many preseason games. And this year I'm like, yeah, geez, only three. I wish they could have had like five or six or seven preseason games just to get it all sorted out because yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to the Clippers kind of like, you know, that LeBron heat team from, 
you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, whenever that was, they got off to that kind of like 500 or so start. I wouldn't be shocked if the Clippers start out like, you know, six and six, seven and eight. And all of a sudden everyone's starting to like freak out. And that's the headline every morning. I I wouldn't be shocked. Ultimately they're going to figure things out, but you can't just, you know, new coaching staff, a lot of new players. You can't just all of a sudden make it all click, make it all work and just win a bunch of games. And I don't have, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I feel like the Clippers first, like few weeks of the schedule were fairly difficult. Like they're playing some pretty good teams mm-hmm. right away. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get too worried to read too much into it. If again, they start the first few weeks, 500. Yeah. Like just to start, you know, they start with the Lakers, which is a tough game. They play in Denver on Christmas, another tough game. And then their home opener, so to speak, because opening night is a road game. Their mm-hmm. home opener is against Dallas, which is another yeah. really tough team. So it's not going to be easy, you know, for the Clippers in the beginning, right. but I think it'll be very helpful for them to figure out what they have going. Right. All right. Next question. Um, who do you see as the Clippers X factor this year? That one that'll determine whether they're reaching their goals or not. I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm just going to go with two. I'm going to go with either Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris. Just because I think, you know, Paul George, Kawhi, they're each going to get their 20, their 25 points or so. We know that for a fact. I just think the Clippers, they need to have that consistent third score, that consistent third option where, but if we can get bubble Marcus Morris for the season, then I think the Clippers are going to be just fine. I know when he was with the Clippers for the first month or so, whenever that was, he was struggling. I think he was shooting like 29, 30% from three. He just wasn't the player he was with the Knicks. And then in the bubble, he just turned things on like crazy. So if they can get that, they'll be chilling. Then Luke, Luke Kennard, as we've seen when he's healthy, he's, you know, kind of a guaranteed 15 points a game, two to three threes a game. So I think just having that, that third score where you can go to where if, let's say PG or Kawhi, they're out for some time with an injury. They're in foul trouble. Uh, it's not rolling. Cause we've seen Lou will, he can heat up at any moment, but Lou will can also go two of 14 with ease. So ha- having that, you know, reliable scoring option, I, I think will be huge for the Clippers. So yeah, I'm going to go with again, not, not one or the other, just kind of both where mm-hmm. if one of them could just turn into that, you know, guaranteed 14 to 16 points a night that no matter what you can get it. Uh, I'll go with that for my X factor. So I, I really want to say Paul George. I just feel like he's too good to be an X factor, but right, I do it's too think easy. that Paul George, you know, the difference between all-star Paul George versus first team all NBA, you know, like MVP candidate, Paul George, that's the gap, you know, the Clippers have to be mindful of because he is being paid like MVP first yeah. team all NBA, Paul George. And last year he was great, but he was more all-star Paul George, which is again, an excellent player, but not what the Clippers need from their second best guy. Uh, But if we're really going to stick with X factor, I think it's gotta be Ibaka, you know, Um, the Clippers, we talked about this just like ad nauseum. So I won't bring it up again, but like the biggest difference I think on this team is switching out Montrose Hill for Serge Ibaka. And um, if he can legitimately be a defensive center who also does not, you know, gum up the floor on offense. Like that's it. That's, you know, game over. That's the game changer. Uh, So if he is still like the same athletic capability that he had in Toronto, uh, obviously like the Clippers gave him the starting spot. I, I wonder if that was a function of him, you know, signing for the mid-level exception, potentially able to get more money elsewhere. They were like, okay, you can come and be our starting five. Ty has said that it has to do with more. He likes the chemistry between Kawhi and, um, surge in the starting lineup and then you get Lou and Zoo off the bench who have played together longer I think there's other forces at work here which is fine you know if you need yeah. to get a guy to come you get a guy to come but I think his ability to 
just, you know, be the center really in any type of situation the Clippers encounter in the playoffs is super important. Um, so he would be my X factor there. Uh, last thing, we're going to make some predictions. Uh, so where do you think the Clippers will finish standings wise in the Western concert, Western conference? I, I think I, I was, I was going back and forth on this where I just, I want to say second, just cause again, it's, I think the Lakers are better. Clippers are going to finish second. Uh, but again, for some reason, not, not that they're going to be in cruise control, not that they're just going to not care, but I, I just have that feeling again, where there's, there's going to be times they rest some guys. Maybe there's an injury for a week or two out mm-hmm. figuring things. Now I think that again, like the first few weeks of the season that might kind of set them back where they full, they might just be in full, like we need to win every night. We're in hundred percent mode from the get go, but that the opening few weeks might kind of set them back just a tad. So I'm going to go with third just because I, I, there might be at, at, at this point in the West, who even knows, like I would not, <laughs> I would not be shocked if, you know, Dallas comes in, they get the second seed Denver. I wouldn't be shocked with them. Portland. I wouldn't be shocked with them. Houston. I mean, they're an absolute mess, but Houston, <laughs> Houston, if they make some miraculous move where they bring someone in, they keep Harden. I wouldn't be shocked if they just go on some run, but I, I think third is kind of a safe bet just because they, there's, there's, there's going to be some other teams again, like maybe like Dallas where they're thinking we need, we need to get the second seed Denver, Portland. They might think we need to be getting the second seed. So I think third is a safe bet, but well, I think second is realistic. Um, but I think first, again, just because it's a hard start to the season, no real reason to try to get the top seed. So third, third is my guess. Second is my uh, my realistic hope. Well, I'm glad you said third because I'm on record as having picked second in our uh, SB Nation NBA preview. <laughs> uh, funny, funny fact about that. No Western Conference fan side picked their team to finish first. Well, uh, and go. I was the only one to pick second. So the Clippers apparently are the best team in the Western Conference. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... And if you haven't read that, it's on uh, Clubs Nation homepage, or you can just go to AskMeNation.com and find all of our lovely thoughts about the NBA season. But yeah, uh, I don't think that any team in the West is meaningfully better than the Clippers. Most of them, I think, are significantly worse. Uh, I just think that the Lakers are going to have more regular season depth, which is going to matter during this season. Right. And I mean, I like of all the teams you mentioned, I think are worthy candidates to take the second seed. I'm going to add one more. I think I would not be surprised if Phoenix ended up in that spot just because Chris Paul is a freaking maniac and they're obviously have a lot of incentive to get, you know, on the same page quickly because that is a relatively new team that has been put together. And the the Phoenix bubble, that, that was a, a team that, that was unbeatable. Yeah. They, they were an unbeatable team. And yeah, I, I Phoenix, they just, they've just been like the last few years, especially cause I was going to like, you know, 15 sons game a year. Cause they were like $5 for students out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I was like, this team is literally like in two or three years, assuming they could just develop everyone and maybe get like some sort of decent point guard. I think it'd be Chris Paul, but I'm like, Phoenix is going to be a problem in a few years. And like you said, I mean, I think Phoenix, it, it, it's funny that you say that because I Phoenix is like, I think the only team where I wouldn't be shocked if they were to finish anywhere from like two to eight. Whereas yeah. all these other kind of teams like okay, like Dallas, I can't see them finishing like lower than like fifth. Uh, like Denver, they're probably going to be around that. Phoenix, I wouldn't be shocked if they're second. I wouldn't be shocked if they're the eighth seed. Like they could literally be anywhere in that spectrum. It's just it's a matter of how does it all mesh? How does Chris Paul look with them? But yeah, Phoenix, they're going to be uh, kind of scary next year to say the least. All right. And then do you want to make any predictions about the Clippers playoff record? Or oh, I think we, we can leave that untouched <laughs> if you want. I have no problem. Well. No, I'll just, I'll just say they're going to make the playoffs. I, this, I mean, 
I, I think they'll be in the Western Conference Finals. I, I think that last year what happened, again, they were this close three separate times. They were that close. Uh, it shouldn't be a problem getting there. Like you said, for the most part, I, I overall think this is a better team than last year. I know a lot of people kind of think the Clippers may have got worse. Assuming everything goes according to plan in regards, like I said, Kennard, you know, Ibaka, Batum, assuming everything goes according to plan, I think this is a better Clippers team. It should be a Clippers-Lakers-Western Conference Finals matchup. At that point, I'll save my prediction until the playoffs begin as who's going to take that because I have no clue at this point. But I again, it's like the thing was it, they're due. I kept saying this about the Dodgers where I was like, this is going to be the year because they're due. The Clippers, with everything that's happened the last decade, with everything that's happened the past year, if they can't make the Western Conference Finals this year, there is some curse mm-hmm. that's been placed upon them because I, I've been saying for years, Doc Rivers, I think, is the common factor with why they couldn't get past <laughs> the second round. So if, if they can't get the past the second round without Doc Rivers, uh, then there's something up. But I, I will say, at least right now, playoff prediction – it, it has to be Western Conference Finals. Like, I just think it has to be. Yeah, I hate to just be in total agreement, but that's as far as I was willing to go to. It's just an LA, LA Conference Finals. I think, you know, we deserve it. I mean, I, I began this podcast by lamenting how many times the NBA puts the Lakers and Clippers together, but I got no problem with it happening in the playoffs. Absolutely no problem. Like, I, I want that to become, like, an actual rivalry. I know, like, Clippers fans claim, like, the Lakers are their rival. I know Lakers fans, I think, don't even claim it whatsoever, but it's like... I, I want a good, like, that's why I, I'm also so upset. Even if the Clippers would have lost last year in six or seven games, at least that would have kind of been like the stepping stone to a really good rivalry where if, you know, that would have been a hard fought series, Lakers win in six or seven. Then all of a sudden this year, if they were to meet again in the conference finals, it'd be an even better matchup. Like then I'm sure at this point there'll be some bla- bad blood. Uh, so hopefully we can just get that because I think a, a Clippers Lakers rivalry, since both these teams have never been like the best at any point ever since they've both been in Los Angeles. I think we desperately need that. I, I think it'd be fantastic for basketball. And so I'm hoping we can get that because again, we were kind of screwed on that this past year. Uh, no, no, no offense to Denver, but uh, LA Denver just isn't the same as LA LA. I will agree. I think Laker fans would agree that LA Denver was not the same as LA LA yeah. for them as well. Um, but yeah, the, the rivalry thing is always so interesting to me because, you know, we had this rivalry week at SB nation back during the, I think the off like the, the hiatus portion of the off season and I sort of said that I think of the Rockets as the Clippers primary rival and that was met with a lot of derision from Rockets fans who do not consider the Clippers in right. that category um but I just don't think the Clippers really have a rival it's sort of like fluctuated like there was a little bit of Memphis time there I was gonna was say like, like it was the Grizzlies for like the yeah. like the early 2010s and there then was it like was some like animosity towards the Warriors Warriors then, and the Rockets yeah, and then it's um, just like they don't, yeah, they don't, I wouldn't know. If someone said who's the Clippers' biggest rival, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and unfortunately now, like the Rockets thing is kind of not as fun anymore because Westbrook is gone. So you don't get that Westbrook-Beverly thing. And then Austin is gone and Doc is gone. So you don't get the Rivers family thing. Um, so some of the pieces that were the right. most fun for me are no longer and then Chris there. Paul was a rocket and there was right. that whole, the tunnel incident. Mm-hmm. That, was, uh, yeah, that was, that was peak uh, rivalry there. Yeah, so I guess my wish for this season is that the Clippers, um, by hook or by crook, actually take the first steps towards developing a meaningful rival, whether that's the Lakers, you know, via a conference finals matchup or somebody else, you know, maybe they play Dallas or Denver again in the playoffs and that heats up because those series were already pretty loaded, you know, last year. Um, But yeah, that's, that's my wish because I think 
being a fan is just so much more fun when you have a team that you can also just root against all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, those are our thoughts for the 2020-21 Clippers season. Uh, Blake, is there anything you wanted to add about what you hope to see from this year? Or... I'm just hoping that, you know, they're able to get through this season smoothly. I hope it's able to work. I think it will. It's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how things play out. But yeah, again, I'm just excited to see regular NBA. I mean, the, the, the fact they pulled off the bubble was fantastic, but just mm-hmm. even watching those games, it just, it didn't feel like, you know, kind of like real NBA games for the most part. They did a good job, but it just, it did kind of lose that feel. It still doesn't have the full complete feel, but at least seeing them back in their own arenas back, you know, like in big, big, big stadiums. I, I mm-hmm. think that's really good. So just yeah, hopefully get through the season, hopefully stay healthy hopefully convince Kawhi that being a Clipper is the smart thing to do. They'll pay you a lot of money. Living in LA is fantastic. Everyone loves you, Kawhi. Hopefully they can convince him. But uh, overall, like I said, just everyone stays healthy. We get through the season and just, you know, just seeing basketball again makes things a little, a little better than everything is now. I think that is a perfect note to end on. So thank you so much, Blake, for talking about this Clipper season. Make sure to follow all of our coverage at clipsnation.com and we will talk to you soon.